Welcome to Trust the Journey. I'm Jason Maletsky. And I'm Melanie Curtis. Our mission is to live, laugh, love, and learn together with you. We're here to create conscious connections, to grow and contribute through our practice of openness, honesty, vulnerability, humility, and trust. Trusting the entire journey. If you want to find us on the wider internet, our handle is trustthejourney.today. That'll get you to our website. That'll find us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, it's basically all of our social media, trustthejourney.today, and that includes patreon.com. Yeah, right on, family. Thank you guys so much for being with us as always. Here we go. All right, guys. So in this episode, we are going to be talking about psychedelics as an avenue for healing. So we're going to be doing a deeper dive on this subject. We want to explore what people are calling the, quote, psychedelic renaissance, sharing from our experiences and some of the things that we've learned in our effort to grow and learn along this line of, uh, of learning. So also, just to be clear, before we even jump in, in no way, <laughs> excuse me, are we condoning or advising anyone to break any laws relative to any topics we discuss on this show today or ever on the show. So just so that's out there, that's definitely where we stand. Awesome. Cool. So let's do it. Let's dive in. Well, I'm going to start with um, an interesting podcast that I just listened to the other day, which is very famous. I'm sure many listeners know of it, and that's the Tim Ferriss podcast. And I just listened to one of the ones that he produced, which was a live recording of a session at a conference where they were discussing psychedelics in the medicinal state as a, as a, as a healing tool, as a medicine. Um, and it was at a conference for investors. It was, you know, entrepreneurs, companies that are looking to, to put money into the, what is the next big thing? What are the developing products in the world? Where do, where do people want to be investing if they're looking at, you know, getting ahead of the curve right now? And so this is a, a financial investment they're talking about making, but I think it's also, an, it's an interesting relative reflection to a, an emotional investment and, and where we make our investment of time or where we make our investment of energy towards where the true value is in our lives coming up in the near future. Yeah, I love that you brought up Tim straight away because one of the things that I jotted down when I was prepping for this episode is that if you are a podcast listener or a growth-minded person, like a growth-minded podcast listener in any way, you've likely heard about psychedelics in these conversations, whether it's with Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, you know, Aubrey Marcus, like lots of different shows are talking about this. And so it's it's definitely not a new topic. You know, it's not a new thing that people are discussing. So it's it feels good to be leaning into it ourselves, given I certainly believe in psychedelics as an avenue for healing. One of the things that I always like to share with people, too, is that when we talk about growth-minded pathways and things that we can do to elevate our life experience and elevate our ability to heal, no one path is right for everyone. You know what I mean? Like some people get a lot from doing personal growth seminars with some badass person, maybe a Tony Robbins thing or, you know, Rachel Hollis or Matthew Hussey or whatever. And those are great. And some people do therapy and some people do life coaching and some people do getting out in nature and some people watch videos on the internet. All of those things are awesome. I simply add psychedelics to that list because of my personal experience with it, really believing and feeling and experiencing it as an avenue for that deeper healing. It's hard to uh, discredit any one particular thing, right? I mean, when we start talking about a list of all the different tools that are available to us in this day and age to address mental health and well-being, wholeness, you know, whole health, it starts with, uh, I, I think it starts with nutrition and exercise, and it develops into support systems, therapy, guides, um, families, you know, literature, 
um, and then and then the list of different molecules that are available, whether it's you know from celery juice to mescaline, you yeah. know whatever you're going to put into your body that's going to make you a healthier person, because it's a healthy choice that you're making, and the reason that you're making it is because you want to do something good for yourself. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. In no way, it's interesting because that's the thing, right? Like the dosing and stuff like that, that conversation and the idea of choosing to consume anything, it's totally in the realm of health. You know, where where I come at this discussion is not in the realm of escape. You know, if anything, what I think is fascinating, fascinating in what I've learned over the course of X number of years that I've been learning about this stuff, the how much this stuff can help these experiences, these ceremonial, these intentionally aimed at healing and depth type experiences help people with addiction. You know, and I don't know, I can't really speak knowledgeably on that subject, but I, the research that I've taken in seems to point to that, which I think is a fascinating, you know, other side of the coin of a conversation of substances. Well, I, there's so much happening right now in the world as far as research that's being done to actually quantify value on these topics. I mean, for the first time in, in about a 30-year void, there was there was basically no research happening since the late 1960s, early 1970s, when a lot of laws were clamped down basically just to get control of a, of a counterculture situation. They really just put some bookends around a whole bunch of different um, molecules and lock them out from uh, traditional science to be able to access those, to be able to do research. And over the last, say, five or 10 years, that's really started to change. There's a, a couple of really, um, you know, uh, explorative and curious scientists who started to really reach out and, and do some work. Rick, uh, Rick Dobson from MAPS and uh, Rick Strassman are really two famous people who've kind of pioneered the the ground of scientific uh, research on behalf of the psychedelic compounds in the scientific sense. Right. right. And over the last, say, three to five years, there's been a wave of research happening around the world, a lot in the USA, but also in other countries like, like Great Britain, um, where scientists are thoroughly engaging in research. And this is happening at universities. It's happening in private labs. And the amount of progress that's being made and the, the uh, evidence that's being put forward after these studies are being completed, it's it's com overwhelmingly compelling to the values that clearly state that these compounds have medicinal value that is obvious when put through clinical trials, placebo tests, all the, the double-blind scenarios that you would expect from any medicine. And they actually most of them are coming back with results that trump anything that's in our traditional field of medicine right now when it comes to psychedelic, uh, sorry, uh, mental health substances like yeah. Prozac or mm -hmm. or um, any of these other like typical kinds of things, Valium, um, yeah, those types of compounds. So yeah, it was in, it's really yeah, inspiring to see what's coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's also uh, there's loads of resources, and I mean, we can leave listeners with a list of resources if we want the ted talk rick it was rick strassman right mm -hmm. uh who did the recent ted talk which that alone i think is speaks volumes that there is the ted stage is allowing this topic you know what i mean that alone is is a credibility piece in terms of supporting the research and supporting the scientific backing of this type of changing of messaging around this stuff you know, it's similar. I, I think about, and again, I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm really just in this conversation. So for people listening, you know, don't hear me as some expert on this subject. In no way am I one. I am more a interested citizen and interested person who cares deeply about mental health and spiritual healing for all of us. So that's where I come from, just in case there's any question on that. Um, but I think about cannabis, which also is not something I have really used, but how that's changed in the legality uh, recently. You know what I mean? And how that seems to be almost paving the way for us to really look at other plant medicines that can also serve in a true healing sense. 
It's absolutely paving the way. I mean, there's there's no other example to point to to say how a stigmatic point of view within our culture was created around a plant. You know, a simple plant that says, oh, this plant that, that, that did grow everywhere um, was just marginalized to something evil. Um, and for very unique, strange reasons, actually. And um, the what ended up happening, you know, is what it's completely changed our opinion where, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, the idea of having marijuana or the stigma created around marijuana, which was, you know, a, a dope, very illegal a uh, very useless kind of concept of just, you know, the stoners, the potheads kind of thing. And now it's revered as a powerful medicine and our grandparents are enjoying the benefits of it while they're struggling, struggling through, you know, the aches and pains of golden years. And so many people with so many different types of medical ailments are finding the value in CBD or THC. Um, and it's being not only decriminalized but legalized like canada is an incredible example of complete legalization of mm -hmm. cannabis which i mean i grew up in canada i grew up in an era where if you were a pot smoker and i was a pot smoker as a young person it was a powerful medicine for me as a young man i'm very grateful for it because i probably would have uh, lost my mind if i hadn't have been had that escape at the time something to settle me down sure um, now and at the time growing up there we there was a paranoia associated with any use of that compound you know and now it's completely illegal the last time I was in Ottawa the capital city of Canada you could walk down the street to a pot store right around the corner from Parliament and get yourself some gummies yeah well <laughs> you know and it's it's interesting that you point to that as a younger person because I feel like that also points to not yet having emotional skills you know what I mean? Of course, as younger people and even adults, of course, we're still working on our emotional and spiritual skills, as it were. You know what I mean? To be able to access for ourselves, to calm ourselves down, you know, meditation practice or being in nature again, whatever it is, mindset work. There's loads of different skills we can add to the repertoire. And I think as a young person, it's, it's typical that people don't have access to those skills yet or don't even know that they're available, you know? So I do invite people to continue to caveat how you might be thinking about this and really considering it as one possible, you know, avenue. There's there's also some um, credit to be given to uh, medicine for circumstance. So uh, a traumatic situation, right? Like when I was a young person, the reason why I leaned towards marijuana was having been through a few very intense life traumas at a very early age and having zero um, coping mechanisms in place or um, emotional examples of even the slightest way to comprehend or to deal with, overcome, process any of those traumas. Yeah. They're just straight up getting run over by a truck kind of experiences in life and having nothing to reach to for how to process that and finding something as simple as being able to take a toke and to be able to be mellow and find a safe space to just be all right in that's magic when at the right place and the right time that that's all you ever need it's enough place to be able to process yeah in your own mind to step be objective and be like oh yeah wait i can be okay for a second if as long as i just change my perspective a little bit yeah you know? yeah and pointing to the deep trauma maybe not being able to heal that immediately then but later in life being able to go into a psychedelic experience that is meant for depth which is meant for sort of unearthing our deeper traumas whether they are theoretically quote unquote small or big it doesn't matter they may magnify over time and become really larger traumas in the scope of our lives that if we don't bring light and consciousness to them they'll just continue to drive our choices you know so like that's a huge part of what i think this ceremonial use of this stuff is for is for really trying to help us heal those things that maybe happened when we were younger that we haven't yet had access to it's a really interesting concept that you bring up about like the scale of a trauma because it's kind of irrelevant, right? Totally. Like, it's whatever it's... 
trauma occurs in your life is whatever mm -hmm. scale it is to whatever size that it affects you. If it affects you by one iota, then the scale is measurable. 100%. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. And it can accumulate over time. You know, so like that's something that in my work with this stuff that, that I've been able to uncover is in looking and really looking and going back into my younger years, one of the things that I discovered was a no large thing. And I say large again, I don't mean it like that, but meaning like nothing that stands out to me as like an obvious thing. It's more, it was more for me going, oh, I looked at everything. It sounds so weird, but I looked at everything and it was accumulation. What I noticed really strongly was a cumulative effect. And this is very specific to me, but a cumulative effect of things that I allowed that were not okay. Like things that I experienced where I did not stand up for myself. So that's just one thing that I really got. And it's, it's difficult to describe the depth of that breakthrough for me, but it, it was a powerful one to really go, oh, oh, I really haven't for many, many years been standing up for myself and saying and speaking truth to you know, things that aren't okay and really saying that's that's not okay. And not to, in a judgmental sense, but in a sense of going, this is something I believe is not okay. You know, that's a boundary for me and I'm willing to speak up for that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I've done that a lot in my waking life as well. I've really worked on boundaries, but to see, to really see and get sort of access to the understanding of how far back that way of being for me went and how strong that cumulative effect was for me to really understand that and get connected to the like gravity of that you know and why understand why it has been so challenging for me to say and speak up and be averse to conflict and things like that and to really perceive it as conflict that was it's just a massive breakthrough for me to be able to go, no, <laughs> and have that be just as okay as, you know, being, you know what I mean? Have being just totally okay with that. It's, it sounds, I don't know. It's probably not very, I don't know how this is hitting people's ears, but for me, that experience was, was big. That awareness was really, really big. This is, this is, I mean, this is an echo of the same point, right? Like it's all about our own individual experience and yeah. how we feel about something, how we perceive something and, and how it has affected us. So whatever the element is that is limiting our experience or affecting our experience as a whole, this is what we're working on overcoming or growing through or growing into or growing out of whatever words we want to use to describe the experience of um, coming to terms with understanding, letting go of being free, um, you know, integrating all these yep. types of words. Um, I, I want to touch on the difference between recreational use and medicinal therapeutic or ceremonial use 100 percent. So, yeah so this is a massive thing right like yes I, I think a lot of us don't really recognize the value of the two different set and settings that we're referring to here so i'm sure many of our listeners many people out there have had encounters with psychedelic compounds whether it be magic mushrooms or lsd or something to that effect at some point in their life it was likely at a concert or a party or at some event you know with some friends somewhere and typically those kind of experiences fall within a particular category of experience there's going to be some enhanced uh, mood uh, euphoria uh, maybe some confusion maybe things are kind of trippy you know some lights some colors some you know things get kind of blurry or there's some hallucinations that go along with it but the, the recreational environment taking some magic mushrooms with your friends and giggling a bunch on the couch is a completely different set and setting a completely different formula of how you 
put in place a, a ceremonial, therapeutic, or medicinal use of these compounds. So let me just um, kind of dive into some general differences. First of all, typically what's being done right now in the in the laboratories, what the therapists are doing with like the MAPS organization, the multidisciplinary, multidisciplinary association for psychedelic studies, they're doing all these training with therapists right now. And they set up a, you know, a somewhat clinical environment where you have a couch or a comfortable bed to lay on. You have a therapist who's going to sit with you and you're going to ingest a dose of a compound like psilocybin, which is the um, active compound found in magic mushrooms. And then we're going to be in a quiet space and really just processing and being internal to that experience for the entire duration of the trip. Right. So the whole point of the experience is to go within and to allow what's generally referred to as a meditation to take place where we we're sitting, we're being quiet, we're thinking and recognizing our own thoughts, hearing our own thoughts and making notes and recognizing our feelings about our thoughts and then and then choosing whether or not we're happy or unhappy about the thoughts that we're having and how they're affecting us and then choosing into delving into them more to understand them more choosing to step out of them or maybe choosing to ask in for some help or to process those or make a note of them so that we can work on them with some of the guidance of others later but in general the the therapeutic or ceremonial use of these compounds isn't typically accented by lights and music and like lots of stimuli and, and you know being the where the point of it is just to, to laugh and giggle at how silly things are and i'd say the big thing that's worthy of note here is the dosages are very very different where the typical dose that most people would encounter with say lsd or magic mushrooms would be maybe a gram of magic mushrooms a small amount in their hand or you know a, a blotter or a drop of liquid acid or something that's going to enhance their social communal experience at an event or party or festival or music show or whatever those dosages are generally on the very low end and they don't tend to have the same type of impactful experience that a a ceremonial or a full dose would be so comparatively with psilocybin you would take probably say five to seven grams for a ceremonial setting where you might take about a gram in a recreational setting for for what you know most people would ingest that's going to encourage a very different experience a much more deeply intellectual introspective and um self-aware and self introspective processing experience now i'll take just a second and take that a little bit further whether it's being done with uh, compounds like psilocybin which are in stage two or stage three testing right now with uh, with maps um, if you look at the same type of um, environment that's being hosted with say ayahuasca in peru this is a, a very popular thing and internationally it's starting to, to pop up um, all over the world um, becoming more and more accepted for its value and you can you can really see that I mean I'll just diverge for a second yeah, please no yeah. this is great I'm yeah. all I'm soaking it in personally for, <laughs> I'll for share more after for years I um, personally watched a few of my friends go through the experience of traveling to the Amazon choosing to go into one of these ceremonies right where they're a few days or a week long and they repeat the ceremony night after night and then seeing their faces when they come back and seeing the difference in the person right the person i knew before they left and the person that i see after they return and the actual change of their aura the change of their energy the change of their entire persona that comes back and how they just seem so much lighter and more glowing and just clean and vibrant and removed of conflict you know a lot of the weights of of experience of being human seem to be washed away and they seem more angelic and just fulfilled and you know all these light being kinds of types of description so I know I bring that back around to the concept of using these things in a in a spiritual 
therapeutic, healing type environment. This is where I really think the point of this conversation is about. It's about changing the way that we look at things to better understand their value. So if you say, you know, if we put magic mushrooms on the table as a concept and say, yeah, okay, it's silly. I've I've read a whole bunch of forums. Like people say, oh yeah, you know, yeah, I took some once. I laughed on the couch with a bunch of friends. I didn't heal me. I didn't get any better. Right. Well, we kind of missed the whole point of how they should be used. And, And that applies to just about anything that's available to us. You could take any pharmaceutical drug that is FDA approved right now that has a massive value which could save our lives in a you know in a western medicine sense and if you use it in a non-prescribed way it's not going to give you the same value so i think this is really like the cornerstone to the topic for yes. me right now yep yeah. absolutely clarifying that yeah and just to jump in quickly because again i i Jay has a lot more knowledge on this subject than I do and experience as well. And so anyway, just as the sort of quote unquote younger person in the learning and and exploration of this education and experience, it's for me, like even being introduced to this subject was interesting and I was definitely averse to it at first when I first heard about it because I've always grown up with the Nancy Reagan. So I'm looking at my Nancy Reagan, just say no to drugs. And and yeah, there's a huge part of me that fully still believes that, you know, in the, in the sense of distinguishing which things would be unhealthy for me to even consider doing. So like I, we've mentioned that on the show before, but I just always like to reiterate that when I'm talking about this subject, because it is very clear for me where I stand on this stuff. Even though I'm young in the discussion, it is for me very fully around this idea of healing, but also being willing, well, not but, and also being willing to question what I have been taught or just societally given to believe. And so as a result, where I'm going with that is that initially hearing about this as a potential avenue for healing, I was like, whoa, okay, I'm interested. I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't think that's for me. You know, that definitely was, this is probably four or five years ago. And so then I started to learn. I started to learn. I started to listen to videos. I started to have conversations with friends that knew more than I did. I started to read books. I started to consider my own thoughts. I started to really look at things and my the personal growth development work that I was doing just alongside of that. So I really did due diligence for myself to learn, to get to a point where I'm like, okay, would I, am I ready? Is this for me now that I know more and I feel safer? I have trusted people in my circle that I can truly trust to know that my safety is, you know, is taken care of and this type of stuff when we're talking about ceremonial use, you know what I mean? And ceremonial experiences, because that was the only thing I was even interested in doing anyway, when you're talking about recreational versus ceremonial, you know what I mean? So the, the idea that there was a pathway to some deeper healing that was very, very appealing to me from the start. But I had to do a lot of work to educate myself to feel like I wasn't just being reckless. I completely identify, especially coming from a culture where recreational use of these compounds is quite common, you know, and it's not at all unheard of to hear of, you know, a friend's group, you know, engaging in the use of psychedelic compounds as a, you know, as a party, um, enhancement on say a saturday night at an event you know where you're like oh we're gonna do this and it's gonna be fun and you're like you know whatever you know like that what's the greater value i mean i'll tell you the truth is that my development with these compounds has come as a result of that environment but in choosing into higher dosages and finding myself less and less engaged to the a recreational set and setting you know i've i've found myself over the years and it's been a very long time that i've been exploring this um these spaces within myself that 
my callings generally pull me towards a natural environment, a quiet space, a safe space where I can be alone or with one or two other friends who are also choosing into the same experience and and looking internally and realizing that the whole point is for introspection, you know, and being able to dig deep inside and and ask a lot of the deeper questions that are that are in there buried holding us back you know from our our overcomings of whatever might be limiting us you know yeah definitely it's not easy work either like no just just for the record by the way (laughs) (laughs) oh my god as i cough (laughs) you know like excuse me yeah that's ironic it is definitely not easy work you know, if people think it's a fun experience to do this deep diving, it's not. You know, in my experience, and this is one of the greatest values I got, and I, I want to share just a little bit from my personal experiences because I feel like that's what I have really to offer at this point. Please, and again, please. Not, love to hear Yeah, it. not that this is what would happen with everybody. Again, like Jay, you said be, before, like it's, this is just happen, what happens with you as an individual. It's all very, very, very personal. And that's the whole point, too. And so anyway, why I say it's difficult work is that for me, and this is just, again, for me, there was so much grief that had to, that was still in me, you know, like literally, and I've, I've done psilocybin for ceremonial use a few times, and I've done ayahuasca one time. And... I don't think I could have gotten to ayahuasca without doing psilocybin, but psilocybin for me still was very, very emotional. Like I, I'm so grateful to have expressed the sadness that was in me around certain things. And that was so, so, so healing, you know, expressing the the tears that came with certain fears, you know, that type of stuff. So it is, again, by the way, it is not easy. You know, there's a huge part of me that I don't know if it's how you would describe it, like the ego or whatever that wants, at least for me, wanted to stop me from crying, you know, that didn't want me to cry, that really was like, just didn't want to cry, you know, because I'm there, the space for me is being held by a facilitator who I know and trust and love. And so that is how I felt safe and, and supported to do this, of course, for sure. But even just being witnessed by someone I love and care about deeply, I still had trouble letting go. And, and you know, so when I was able to begin to access this willingness to let go of my emotional stores, as you sort of point to, and, and release some of that grief and fear and pain from whatever it's come from. That was hugely, hugely healing for me. And also, I can easily see in my experiences, which by the way, are over the course of a couple of years. So this is in no way something I would suggest doing back to back. We talked about integration, and that's huge, I think, as well. We can talk about that more. But it's not about doing multiple ceremonies, just so you can just clear grief and and do it here and there here and there it's in my experience it's you have an have a ceremony you have an experience you get deep powerful insights and then you go back to your life and you do the real work of putting it into your waking real life and you make change from those insights by doing the work every single day so like ceremonial work is difficult real life integration can be difficult as well so I just I just don't want to romanticize it. You know what I mean? Like for me, it's been some of the best things I've done for myself in terms of healing and the most difficult. Absolutely. I want to echo on some one of the points that you made there. Um, and I'll inform a little bit at the same time. Yeah, please. I recently attended the World Ayahuasca Conference in Girona, Spain. Uh, consciously choosing into making connections to a culture of people that have the same uh, spiritual, medicinal, uh, wholeness, wellness belief systems as myself. And it was a wonderful experience because it was such a broad spectrum of 
perspectives on the usages, the values, the risks, the uh, the effects, um, you know, the histories, the where it's going, and going from conference room to conference room or seminar to seminar, and hearing some of them project, pre presented by a scientist, some presented by um, a facilitator or a shaman, others presented by an indigenous. Um, family from the deepest part of the Amazon where they've been holding a lineage for you know hundreds of thousands of years so really really unique perspectives from all vantage points about the values of these healing ceremonies and these healing plants and I really didn't know you know why or what I was going there to learn what or like what my key takeaways were going to be from the experience of just being present to all these minds that are of of like interest and there were two things that really 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 stuck out to me that I heard come from the scientist's mouth I heard them come from the facilitator I heard them come from the shaman I heard them come from the practitioner I heard them come from the indigenous leaders from everybody across the board connection the number one word was connection and it was connection to self connection to each other connection to the planet connection to nature connection to everything meaning total connection this feeling of connectedness and a realization not just a feeling but a true realization of the concept of what it means to be connected to everything yeah. And that was the number one piece that it didn't matter who was saying it, but in some way what there was what they were saying referred to that and it brought up a powerful glowing energy within them that said, I understand, I'm connected, we're connected, we're all part of the same thing. And that brings everybody together as a united force and it allows everybody a comfort and a feeling of like, oh wait, I'm not alone. I'm not yeah. just out there, me against the world. It's, I am the world. We are the world. We're all here together. We all think we're against each other, but really we're, we need to be helping each other. Yeah. And that's yeah. amazing, right? Yeah. It's amazing. So just to get to that point of being on the other side of the coin where we live in this culture that's so separate and so capitalistic, you know, of like, ah, it's me and then everything else. That To hear that reversed and presented the other way around was so powerful. Now, the second term that I heard used repeatedly from one um, discussion, conversation to another was the word, and you just said it a minute ago, integration. Now, the concept of integration is, I'll try to do my best I can to explain it the way I understand it. And what I hear it as meaning and I actually had this conversation yesterday with a dear friend who is also um, uh, a seeker and somebody who wishes to grow spiritually and, and follow this path through, um, through an ayahuasca uh, ceremonies as well. And we were talking about the idea of integration as how to take this feeling, this knowing, this understanding of yourself and everything that is, that comes from these deep ceremonial experiences and make it part of who we are on an everyday basis. Moving it into how we feel about everything that happens to us, how we feel about ourselves, how we act, how we feel about others, and allowing that to just be a resonant energy, right? Where we have a lifetime of practice creating opinions about the way that we feel about particular things you know i i view a circumstance a particular way because i've been practicing that view my whole life and suddenly i have an experience which allows me to see it from a different perspective and now i go oh, wait maybe i've been too judgmental and i've been too hard on those people or been too hard on myself and now i should be less judgmental and allow myself to view this from a better point of view and it's going to be less traumatic and more healing for every involved including myself and it's really really easy to slip back to our old point of view about the way that we've viewed something before because it's habitual it's yeah. just like any addiction right like if we've been a cigarette smoker or an alcohol drinker for a long time and we find our sex going I don't want to do this anymore I want to see it from a new perspective 
it's easy to fall back to that old habit and it doesn't have to be an addiction to a, a compound like nicotine to to have that same experience it can be simply judging a circumstance or a feeling about ourselves or about others the same way so i'll bring it back to the point of integrating our new perspectives our new thoughts our new abilities to view ourselves our actions or others experiences or actions from a new way to let that creep into everything that we do and change who we are as a person to be somebody better that we prefer a better version of ourselves that we would rather see when we look in the mirror yeah think about this i'm smiling over here the whole time you're talking because how many times have i talked about feeling a fear of disconnection yeah a million fucking times and so like if we talk about specific takeaways by the way there are way too many specific takeaways at least from my experiences as minimal as they are that I could, ev- I, there's no way I could even share them on this show. I mean, maybe multiple episodes, but my point is that I just want to say that. But one of the things absolutely echoes that in my personal experience with this is that real, true getting and understanding of connectedness of the, you know, it's it, it sounds hokey when it's said out loud. You know, it's like, I, I feel like it can sound hokey with just the language and being like, oh, we're all connected. But I, I believe that. And you know, before that, like before feeling it, I, I believed it. I, there was a part of me, like I feel like my intuitive self was like, I really believe, you know, that we're all connected. You know, the universe, all things, you know, it goes back to when the podcast even first started maybe going to happen when you had the one love New Year's Eve thing. And I was like, that's so right on that Jay Maledsky. I'm, I'm going to drop him a line, you know, it's because there was that intuitive call to that intuitive knowing of and and belief on some level, even though I didn't have evidence to prove this to myself. I just believed I'm like we are all connected. Like I just I just ha- I just had it. And so anyway, why I'm sharing that is because it has been both a source of huge inspiration in my life and a huge motivator for my work and how I can show up in huge love and deep powerful, you know, presence and witnessing of other people, that type of stuff without fear. And, and equally, how I can wildly fear when I get attached to people, when I feel like, oh my God, I'm having this connection. That fear can easily come back in, like you said, the old pattern. And so to be continually make efforts to really reverse that idea has been a powerful practice for me over many years and has simply been reinforced positively through my experiences with psychedelic ceremonial healing. You know, you you said the word that I've been waiting to to speak on, which is practice. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it really, it really, really hits home for me. And I think this is another one that that is a key takeaway as far as the relevance to therapeutic use of a compound versus recreational or one-off use of something you know i i could take a prozac pill and say yeah i tried that whatever it didn't have any effect but it's something you, you need to integrate in with regularity and with um c- scheduled repeated application for a specific purpose mm-hmm. just like doing yoga or running like if you are not a runner okay if you don't run and somebody says, let's go for a run, you're going to be like, are you out of your fucking mind? Right? <laughs> no thanks. You know, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No thanks. It's yeah. a simple, I, I see it all the time. And I was that guy, right? Yeah. Be like, want to go for a run? I'm like, no, that sounds horrible. I would never want to do that. But, totally. Right? Yeah. But yeah. if you actually do it a few times and get a habit and get your legs used to it and get your feet and your knees and your shoes and figure out how to do it. And you do it enough times where you're like, oh, I have actually practiced this enough that I now know how to do it. Now it doesn't hurt so much when you do it. And the idea of doing it is actually appealing and you start to reap the benefits of it. 
And so whether it's running or whether it's yoga or whether it's going to a therapist or a counselor or practicing the deep conversations or yep. going to psychedelic therapy, any of these things is going to have the same, require the same thing, which is an applied practice. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I, I uh, love also what's showing up in my relating to this and my education and interest in this over time is I believe and I'm called quite strongly in my life to experience life and to experience, be open to experiences and to be open to being wrong, you know, being open to having my mind be, have, having it be able to be changed because I, you know, didn't know something and something new has come into my consciousness and into my awareness. So, and I said this earlier, but the idea of not being reckless, so that, like, that's the thing. It's, I'm not just recklessly called to life experiences. I am willing to listen to my intuition when it speaks around an experience that I'm, I am drawn to. You know what I mean? So, and at the same time, I am equally honoring of this feeling of readiness. So this is something that I learned when I was learning about ayahuasca, which by the way, took me many years to even remotely consider doing, is that it, you know when you're ready. Because there were multiple times over the X number of years, you know, since I first learned about it and started learning about it, where I was like, yep, okay, okay think I'm I, okay I'm gonna do it yep yep I think I'm ready and I just wasn't you know so then I didn't schedule it you know I didn't actually follow through on the scheduling and and I I said oh it's not the right time and other life things I allowed other life things to step in and so I can only see that now that I have and did reach my point of readiness with it through my own education and my own preparing of myself and my own connectedness to my intuition and to my support people who were helping me learn and get to a point where maybe I would be with zero pressure. I always held in myself that if I never wanted to do it, I never had to. Always. Yeah. I always gave myself the space to just, this is me learning and I... If I do it, great. If I don't do it, great. I will trust myself and only and solely make my decision based around around that. And again, so I, I, why I bring that up is is both to highlight that and to highlight that that is not me being, I'm just going to make this decision because I don't really know what I'm doing, but I feel intuitively called to it, so I'm going to do it. I feel like that's a bit reckless, and that's why I really highlight this education period for me. Like That was really important for me to feel safe and to feel like I was doing something truly good for myself versus doing something not good for myself. I think this is the whole, for me anyways, I'll just say that from my yeah, point of please. view, the whole reason we're having this conversation right now is to get the topic on the table for yeah. people to listen and start thinking about it. And because what's going to be happening in the next few years is we've already seen cannabis move into a legal state in a number of places where it's gone from being medicinal to recreational. And now, um, magic mushroom psilocybin has been legalized in denver colorado and as well as oakland california right and i think that in the next couple of years you're in the next year or two you're going to see it continue to be legalized in more and more city states um and at the same time there's a number of um other compounds so ketamine has already been approved for the treatment of depression legally now you can go to a therapist and you can get ketamine therapy to help treat depression and it's showing excellent results like immediate results like leave the therapy session with improved um you know resistance to being depressed and uh, psilocybin and mdma are both in their stage two stage three uh phase trials so within the next two to three years both of these are going to become legally available and they're going you're going to be able to go to a therapist and get these compounds so i'm excited to talk about them now 
so that people can start getting their mind around the idea that this is something that I may want to do or that I'm going to get myself ready to do when it becomes available. Yes. Right. And that's the whole point. That's the yeah. Like, it took me years to get ready to do ayahuasca. And, and of course, anybody, you can go to Peru right now. You could yeah. get on a plane. You can go to one of the many, many excellent places that are down there and engage in one of these ceremonial uh, endeavors to, you know, dive into your subconscious and 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 um, explore what's really going on inside yourself. But you have to be ready for it. You know, yeah. you need the prep time. It took me a decade. Yep. to get ready for for ayahuasca and i'm so glad that i finally did it and it took some yeah. good solid nudging from some people that i trust some people that are very important in my life saying hey jay you need to do this this is something for you it's going to affect you in a positive way and i'm like oh man i don't know if i want to do that that's going to be tough it's scary i'm super so, scared they're like yeah it's scary and i'm like yeah but you're gonna feel better afterwards and i'm like oh man okay crap i know i trust you you're one of my best friends and i and you know and you've influenced my life in a positive way why would you tell me otherwise you know and so i guess i'm here doing that for you listeners right now to help encourage that same gradual preparation of the mind of the spirit of the body to find the time and the place when we're each ready to step into these challenges of looking inward and um and seeing what we find uh, i love that yeah i i echo that that is definitely i mean jay and i've talked about this behind the scenes guys that we wanted we were like like, let's talk about this because this is important to us as individual people. It's important in terms of a mission, you know, in turn, not, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's not the right word, but the movement, it feels like a movement. It feels also like such a high value potentiality for people. Again, if it's right for someone, not because not everything is right for everyone and that's totally, totally okay. For me, it just, it feels like a calling in a sense that, I mean, listen, life coaching is also a calling. So I'm not trying to over fucking pedestal it up. Like I'm really not like, cause lots, I feel called to multiple things in life. And this conversation is one that I feel it's important because I, I guess because of just the experience that I've had and how it's affected me, it's undeniably helped me. And the stories that I've heard from other people and people that I care about and love who have also shared their experiences as part of their integration and healing process, that stuff, that even those conversations are so healing. Just hearing that it was possible to find some deep pain and release it like that alone was so inspiring to me to hear as just a possibility for god's sakes i was like whoa that's possible amazing so part of me is basically just wanting to do that for you and for people listening you know is that like yeah in my experience that's possible in my experience, I was able to release deep, you know, deep grief and come out the other side and go, holy fuck, I survived that. That was an intense, crazy wow. And I'm again, I'm happy to share more in future episodes, but like the possibility alone was a big, big, big deal for me, which started me on my path of learning. And so that's what I invite people to start to lean into if you want to, if you want to, if not, ditch this episode, you know, and that's all good, too. So I'm going to uh, mention a couple things. Um, one of them is <clears throat> I'm going to reflect on a personal experience. Um, I was able to forgive in a circumstance that left me so deeply emotionally scarred that I did not know whether I was ever going to be able to heal from it. Right? I, I had a, a heart that was so broken and so tragically ripped apart that I just found myself in a state of numbness and anger and hatred and just so much agony. And through deep psychedelic reflection, I was able to find a place in myself where I was able to literally pick up the phone and say, I forgive you. Oof. 
Yeah. Amazing. 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 Like amazing, especially as a, as a younger person and having not knowing how to get there and yeah. having a deep knowing inside that that's what needed to happen, you know? Yeah. And I can't echo the value of that under, I can't overstate the value of what it means to be able to find a place to be able to come to forgiveness within myself, like truly finding that place of forgiveness deep down inside and then being able to express it and let it go. And it's over. Mm -hmm. It's gone. You know, it's forgiven. Um, so th that's part of it, right? Is having these deep emotional experiences ourselves and going, hey, this happened for me. I don't know what can happen for you, but it's at yeah. least worth looking at, looking into, researching, thinking about, trying, maybe, you know, yeah. doing yeah. some of those work. And some of the numbers are incredible. So initial results from studies with psilocybin have shown that 60% of participants in the double blind placebo studies have shown lasting effects last 60% yeah. lasting effects beyond lasting. one and two years, lasting. one and two years. Yeah. Lasting yeah. effects like a year later, two years later. How do you feel? I feel way better yeah. than I did a year or two years ago because of these experiences. And what they show is that initially following the event is that uh, now hopefully I don't fumble these numbers too badly. So don't quote me, but I know I'm close is 5% of people put the experience within the top three most important experiences in their entire life. Yeah. Meaning like losing a mother or father or the birth of their child, yeah. something that is so impactful in their life that it's like, this is one of the most important things that's ever happened to me. Yes. And when you look at the study later, like of the people who retained value of their experiences, it's something like... Um, of the uh, somewhere around 20% of the people put it as the most impactful experience in their entire life. Like nothing has been more important to them than what they experienced at that time. So what does that say to me is it says, hell, if anybody can tell me that this is something that has had more impact on them than anything else they've experienced in their entire life, it's at least worth picking up the, uh, opening up the laptop and doing some research ordering yeah. a few books, doing some reading, listening to some audiobooks, listening to some podcasts, doing some exploration and some research to see if it might be right for you to maybe have a similar experience. That's know? exactly, yeah, exactly. Yes. <laughs> so you can hear my you can hear my advocacy, right? I'm like it's the reason I get so excited about this is because it's been something that's been deeply spiritually meaningful and held dear to my heart for such a long time. And I've been looking forward to the point in our cultural revolution our, our, where this could be something that we could talk about again, where yeah. society is actually thinking that this might be something we want to go back down a road of exploring. And this is truly the point in time where the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, the FDA are all mm -hmm. on the same page of going, we might have made a mistake a while back. Yeah, Actually, well, exactly. We, yeah. Well, and I think that's part of what we're doing with this conversation as well, is being a part of the, you know, the part of, a part of the conversation exactly. that is looking at that, you know, and so that there's more information out there available to more people to be thinking about it in this kind of way versus just hearing about it randomly from some other whatever source that who knows what their perspective or stance is on it. Because like I, the piece of the history that I thought was so fascinating was how there was positive press about psychedelics for, I don't, again, I'm butchering this. I don't, I cannot quote the history, but I remember some story about and I feel like this came from Pollen, Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, yep. is uh, how it was, posit is, was positively in the press and then basically just was in the press in a negative sense. And then they started talking about all these sort of negative things and blowing up the negative press, whether it was accurate or not. I can't recall the details. You might know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But I, I was like, that's what I have 
even a small bit of quote unquote power to support is positive press from the stance that I feel like it deserves positive press. You know what I mean? Like I want to be a part of that given in this day and age of the internet, we can do that. So I'm like, I, I'm willing to attach my name and my self to this conversation because I believe it's important as well. Uh, I definitely echo that. And I, I want to also share on the concept that this isn't the same group of people that we once would view the stigmatic stereotype of, of these compounds in relationship to this, the conferences, the seminars, the scientific gatherings, the, the minds that are getting together all around the country. Um, in New York, there's the Horizons uh, Conference out in uh, California. They have the psychedelic um, uh, symposium. Uh, you're having them in, in Spain. We're having them all around the world. And at least open up the MAPS webpage maps.org i believe is what it is and i'll double check yeah and and have a look at the work that's being done by the lists and lists of reputable doctors therapists scientists researchers the people that are putting in that are really the same respected people that would prescribe you anything else over the counter or from behind the prescription desk and then the actual science that's comparable like risk factors are so low compared yep. to a lot of the other compounds that are out there that people are taking every day and that are, you know, whew, there's some major issues like opioids in our, in yeah. our culture. It's massive the, problems. And, was just to interject, the risk, understanding the low risk was a huge part of how I was able to, again, inch through and get to a point where I was wanting to and felt ready to do this. And I will echo, there are certain things that absolutely cannot mix so there are things that you need to be well aware of before you do anything like this. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on this. Um, I'm really excited to have opened the conversation. And there's so much that we haven't touched on as far as <laughs> yeah, so it, it's just the deepest, deepest well of of uh, potentiality as far as, you know, when it comes to spirituality and wellness. And, and I really think the, the word that hits home for me is wholeness. Yeah. You know? So I, let's keep up the practice. Yeah, let's keep up the practice. And this, and again, given we mentioned this is really the tip of the proverbial iceberg, we invite you guys to hit us up with questions. Because again, we, we're happy to go other directions on this topic. We will, most certainly. Uh, but yeah, we want you guys to, if you're curious, if you have questions, if you want things you know, if you're looking or I don't know, again, just whatever you might have as a question, please hit us up. So you can always hit us up on Instagram, which is trustthejourney.today. Send a direct message. We get stuff there all the time. Um, but yeah, we invite you guys to really be curious if you are, and we're happy to be a part of that, uh, assisting you and growing in your own knowledge and education on this type of subject. Yeah, there's so much, uh, so many powerful resources that we can refer to, whether it's, you know, in print or in audio form or on the internet. And, and um, if you need some guidance there about what to look towards to better educate yourself, I'm definitely happy to help point in that direction. Absolutely. Well, right on, my friend. That went quick, eh? Yeah, that was, I mean, geez, of course it did. That makes me, <laughs> that, that's not surprising. But anyway, guys, we digress for now. Thank you, as always, for being with us per, per usual. I mentioned the Instagram, trustthejourney.today, but our website is also trustthejourney.today. And if you want to support the mission, you can donate on Patreon if you just are inspired to do that. But part of what Patreon support gets our family, our, our Trust the Journey family is membership into a private group where we really are expanding connections and supporting each other and opening up these dialogues in a really direct and meaningful and expanded way. So if you want to be a part of that type of Facebook group, please, you know, donate a buck, a dollar a month, we'll get you in there. So please, we invite you to do that anytime you're inspired. Yeah, and that group we've called it trust the journey family for a reason is it truly is a family it's a it's a safe space where 
everybody involved can feel okay to share their challenges, the things that they're struggling with, their successes, you know, things that we've overcome and just be real and know that the environment is going to be supportive to that real experience of humanity. I also want to mention that to help us get the show out there, to really get it to other audiences, the direct share, the personal message is probably the biggest thing. I can't say thank you enough to the people who send me podcast links, who send me links to shows like, oh, this is for you. And this is exactly what's affected me and my life in such a positive sense is when somebody cares enough to say, I think you would gain value from listening to this. So if you feel like you know somebody who would gain value from listening to our show, please pay it forward, pass it along, and hopefully we'll get a greater audience and do greater positive influence in the world. Yeah, I'm almost comically committed to sending podcast links to people (laughs) in direct messages. (laughs) So yeah, but guys, truly, as we say all the time, you know, however you're inspired to do it, whether it, if you just want to listen, that is also totally amazing. You know, whatever you're inspired to do is perfect. And we thank you. We love you. And as always, remember, keep laughing, keep loving, and keep trusting the journey. Love you. (laughs) We love you.